Well, good morning, Stonehill. It's great to be with you again in our virtual services. And this morning, we want to continue the study that we've been embarking on from 1 Corinthians, where we've been looking at why we need the church now more than ever, and what is the nature of the church. And Pastor Matt has been leading us through different passages in 1 Corinthians, and we want to continue to do that today. This morning, I'm going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 26, and uh, we'll try to put the words on the screen in a minute as I read through the, the, the passage on several different occasions as we move through th- this morning. What I want us to see in this text, which is so crucial for us to see, is that the church is an upside-down organization. And we need to see two realities of how the church is an upside-down organization. Matt's been talking about this the last couple of weeks. And then what I want us to do is to see how we can overcome two obstacles that keep us from living out the reality of this upside-down organization called the church. Let's look at these uh, two realities of the uh, upside-down organization. Let me read for you 1 Corinthians 12 verses 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The first upside-down reality of the church we see in these two verses And it's very clear as we we look at these two verses that the church is unlike most other human organizations. And almost every other human organization, you have to apply to get into the organization. You have to earn your way into the organization. You, You have to perform and work to get into the organization. We've had a lot of our seniors this past year who took SAT tests and put together a portfolio and an application, all with the idea that they could try to earn their way into the college of their choice. If you uh, to try to, uh, to try out for a sports team at your local high school or middle school, you've got to try out. You've got to perform well enough to make the team. And if you want to play, you've got to continue to practice and play well enough to stay on the field or stay on the court. And it's the same way in business. In order to get a job, you have to put together a resume that shows that you can do the job. And then when you get the job, in order to stay viable in that, uh, that job, and in order to be promoted in that job, you have to perform. You have to make things happen. In almost every human organization, we have to work, perform, and earn our way, but not so in the body of Christ. Paul's very clear in verse 13, this is the first reality of the upside-down organization called the church. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Paul makes it very clear that the way all of us get into the church of Jesus Christ is that the Spirit of God has to baptize us into this one body. It's the action of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, that places us into the body of Christ. That word baptize means identify. And what the Spirit does when we come to Jesus Christ, He identifies us, He places us into the body of Christ. It's the action of God that accomplishes it, not our own efforts, not our own earning or performing to get in. 
And of course, we know that this is just one uh, example of, of what happens when we trust the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that the Holy Spirit has to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment in order for us to see our sin and, and see the Savior and, and thereby uh, be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. It is the action of God that must take place because as Paul tells us in Romans 3, none of us understand God. None of us seeks for God. God had to take the initiative. And so in the same way, as we enter into salvation by grace, a gift, not earned, not deserved, One of the other blessings of our salvation is that the Spirit of God places us into the body of Christ. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't perform for it. And that's what makes the church this upside-down organization. In a very real sense, none of us deserve to be part of the body of Christ. None of us has worked our way into the body of Christ. It was a gift given to us and accomplished by the Spirit's activity of opening our minds up so that we trusted Christ, imparting new life to us so that we could be this new person, and then also placing us into the body of Christ. It's not earned, it's not deserved, it's not performed for. Paul goes on to say that uh, this is true for Jews or Greeks. This is the way the ancient world would have divided themselves. There were Jewish individuals, there were Gentiles, there were slaves, there were free, there were all kinds of diversity in terms of ethnicity or religious background or socioeconomic status. And the reality is those diversities, while still true when we come to Christ, they are overwhelmed because of the Spirit's act in placing us by grace into this upside-down organization. That's the first reality, upside-down organization. Very briefly, let me speak of the second upside-down organization. uh, reality of, of, of this organization, the church. At the end of verse 13, he says, and all were made to drink of one spirit. What Paul is saying is not only did the spirit put us into the body of Christ, but when he opened up our minds and hearts, we put our faith and confidence in Christ alone. Every single believer is given the Holy Spirit to live inside them, to empower them, to do all that God would, wanted, would want us to do, but also to empower us to live out our gospel responsibilities in this upside-down organization called the church. And so with these two realities, I think it's very uh, important for us to internalize these two realities, to believe these two realities, to, to make sure that we live in the church of Jesus Christ in light of these two realities. In a very real sense, when it says that the Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ, that should give us gospel humility. None of us should think ourselves any better than the other person in the body of Christ because we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, we don't work for it. It was a gift to us, and that should bring humility to us. But also when it says that the Spirit has made us, we were made to drink of one Spirit, that should cause us to have gospel boldness. That God has given us all the resources we need in the Holy Spirit to live out our gospel responsibilities in this upside-down organization called the church. So those are the two realities of this upside-down organization called the church. Now what Paul does is in in, in the rest of of, of the chapter, he, he deals with two obstacles two ways in which we fail to live out these realities in the body of Christ that keep us and keep the church from being all that it needs to be. 
We see the first one in verses 14 through 20. Let me read that. The first obstacle to living out the upside-down reality of this organization called the church. Verse 14 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The first obstacle that Paul talks about that keeps us from living out this upside-down reality of the church is that it is sometimes easy for us to look at the, the rest of the body of Christ, and, and all of these individuals have other gifts. Maybe we want those gifts. Maybe we, we covet those gifts. Maybe we think because our gifts are limited or we don't have the kinds of public speaking gifts or musical gifts, it's easy for people in the body of Christ to start to believe that since I don't have these other gifts, I'm not really that important in the body of Christ. And that is a huge obstacle. It's a real obstacle. I I can't tell you how many times people will come in my office and say, I really don't feel like I fit in here at Stonehill because everybody seems to have their act together and and, and I feel like my life is a mess and I'm not sure I belong. No, that is not true. First of all, every one of us has got all kinds of problems in our life, but the reality is because the Spirit has baptize us into the body of Christ because we have the Holy Spirit, all parts of the body are necessary and useful for the healthy functioning of the body of Christ. Paul basically says, you can't say, well, I, you know, I, I don't have those gifts, so I'm not part of the body. No, we are all part of the body of Christ because the Spirit put us into the body and the Holy Spirit indwells each of us and God has arranged the parts of the body, as he says in verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. The reality in this upside-down uh, organization, God has put each of us here together in this local body of believers so that each of the parts are equally vital for the functioning of the body. All of us have important gifts and important contributions to make so that this body fully cares for one another the way it ought to and this body displays the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ as it ought to. I'll never forget, I was, uh, I was a teenager, I was a middle school boy, uh, about 14 years old. Uh, I attended a house church. My dad was the pastor. Uh, we had the gathered church on Sunday morning, and we met in house churches during the week, small groups, essentially. And I remember sitting in this uh, house church week after week. I was a middle school boy. It was a multi-generational uh, house church. Uh, I didn't say much. I, I didn't feel I had a lot to contribute. I didn't have as much life experience as everyone else in the group. And, and uh Uh, I remember that we we were discussing this particular text. And one of the things the elder who was leading the house church asked, what part of the body do you think you are? And I responded, as a middle school boy, of course, I said, I think I'm a shin. That's the part of the body I am. I'm not that important. 
And the only time you know that I'm here is when I run into things. Often what happened to me, I used to spill uh, the, the, the refreshments at the house church in the living room. I did that a couple of times. I used to play and sort of help out with child care after the meeting and play with the younger children in the backyard. And invariably, as a middle school boy, I, we got a little too physical with the game. Someone got hurt. I'm apologizing to the kid. I'm apologizing to the parent. I felt like I was not that important. And I felt like really the only time I got noticed like a shin, is when I ran into something and caused pain for other people. And so that's what I said. I'm a shin. My, the elder looked at me and says, I don't agree. I think you actually are a very important part of the body. And of course, a shin is, it would be important as well. But I think you're very important to the body of Christ. I think you're listening to what others are saying. I think you are soaking in the, the, the comments that are made in this small group. I, I think you have a lot more to share to us. And I want to encourage you, Tracy, to speak up more. We need to hear from you. We need to hear your thoughts. We need to hear what it's like for you as a teenager who's trying to follow Christ, what it's like in your school we need to, 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 to be taught by you as you have insights into your word. You are a crucial part of the body of Christ and particularly this house church. I, I was stunned. I, I, I was shocked. And, and I remember walking out of that house church with, with a completely new perspective. Not thinking that because I was young and because I was inexperienced and because I, I, I ran into things and dropped food in the living room that I, I really wasn't that big of a help to the group. I began to view myself the way God views me. That God had baptized me into the body of Christ. He had put the Holy Spirit inside me and I had specific gifts and input that needed to be made in order for the body of Christ to flourish. And it changed the entire direction of my life. It changed the way I viewed church. Because through God's word and through the encouragement of an elder, I began to believe the upside-down reality of the church. That every single person is important. And every single person, because of the Holy Spirit, has something to share, something to contribute, so that the body can do all that the body can do. So in a very real sense... While the obstacle uh, for living out the uh, upside-down nature of the, of the organization called the church, uh, the obstacle might be if you start to think, um, nobody else really needs me. I'm not that needed. The reality is what the Scripture is telling us, because God is the one who put the, the body of Christ together. God is the one who, who baptized us into the body of Christ. God is the one by His Spirit who indwells us. The truth of the matter is, to overcome this obstacle, is all of us need to believe that the church desperately needs me and my input and my giftedness in order for the body to function the way God intended it. They need me is what you need to believe to overcome that first obstacle. So that's the first obstacle. Let's look at the second obstacle. It's a very different obstacle, and we see it uh, described in verses 21 to 26. Let me read that for you. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. 
But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. In verses 21 to 26, Paul is describing the second obstacle, which is exactly opposite of the first obstacle. In the first obstacle, someone in the body of Christ is saying, they don't really need me, but that's not true. They do need me, is what we need to think. In this obstacle, the second obstacle, what is happening is there are people in the church who think that they might not necessarily need the other parts of the body. They may be a little too self-assured. They may be a little bit too, too filled with pride. They don't see that, that living for Christ is not simply an individual pursuit. It's a body community, uh, community pursuit. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, Paul says, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Notice what God says here. He says that the parts of the body of Christ that appear to be weaker, that seem to be weaker on an earthly sense, are actually the parts of the body that are indispensable. What Paul is saying is because the upside-down community called the church is a, 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 an organization where we were placed into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God, and every single member of the body of Christ is indwelt by the Spirit, every single part of the body is indispensable. In a very real sense, to overcome the second obstacle, all of us need to think this, I need everyone else. I need the body of Christ. I can't do this on my own. That's what we need to think. That's what we need to believe because that's how God designed it. I never forget when I was uh, about 16 years old, back in the same church, my previous illustration, there was an older gentleman named Walt. Walt came to Christ late in life. He came to Christ in his 80s. He was a musician that had, had performed all over the place on the East Coast. He had retired in Miami. And late in life, one of, uh, the, one of our members of our congregation reached out to him, started sharing the gospel to him, and he came to faith in Christ. And so now Walt began to come to church, and Walt began to come to my house church. Now, Walt was about 85 years old. He was very sickly. He did not have many resources. He had been a musician all of his life. She had a very meager financial resources. Um, Walt was an interesting guy because he was very sickly. Honestly, the bodily odor that he would come into the house church with was difficult to deal with. Uh, He was a new believer, so many of the things he said were not always completely accurate. Uh, He didn't have any leadership role in the church. He didn't have any musical uh, ability uh, because of his age and his his sickness to be able to perform for us. He just simply came to house church and came to church every single week. And of course, one of the interesting things that he actually asked us to do was he asked us uh, periodically to clip his toenails in the middle of the house church. It was an awful experience, but that's what we did. 
And because he was so sick, we often were driving him to the hospital and picking him up from the hospital and visiting him in the hospital, taking him to doctor's appointments, giving him a ride to church. It somehow felt like we were spending a lot more energy for him than he was able to give back. And yet, Walt keep coming to church. Walt keep coming to house church. And he had a special love for those teenagers that would run into him. He would often say to them, my biggest regret in life is I didn't come to faith in Jesus Christ until I was in my 80s. Don't waste your life. Don't, don't waste any time trying to live out in the world and do all the things the world does. It's not worth it. It's not meaningful. Follow Christ with all your heart. Now, the reality is in our church, as a 16-year-old, I, I didn't... I didn't think of Walt as, as the most valuable member of our church. I, he certainly was not in the public eye. Uh, but I realized on the day when one of our congregation went to pick Walt up, Walt would often take a long time to get out of his house, so he would come out onto his driveway, and he would sit in his lawn chair and wait for a church member to pick him up for church. And one Sunday morning... Uh, the, the member comes to, to pick up Walt, and Walt had passed away. He had gone home to be with Jesus Christ. And about an hour and a half later, that person who had uh, come to pick Walt up came into our church. We had a time of open sharing, and that person uh, said to the whole church, when I came to pick up Walt this morning, he had already passed away. And what happened to me, and what happened to many other people in our church, is that we all of us, broke down and wept. We wept. Now, not because Walt was, you know, it, it was the benefactor of the church who had funded the church's ministry. Not because Walt had been a, a major leader in the church. We wept because he was an important, essential, indispensable part of the family of God, the body of Christ. And in this upside-down community, his impact on us was profound. It was, it was deep. And we almost didn't recognize it until he passed away. And as we wept, the reality of 1 Corinthians 12 comes into play. You cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. You can't say that the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And that is the reality in the upside-down community called the church. All of us need every other person in this body of Christ, in this upside-down community, to work together to fulfill the gospel responsibilities we have for one another, but also to exhibit the beauty and glory of Christ to a watching world. Let me challenge each of us. I know we're in the middle of this COVID-19 crisis. I know that at Stonehill we are going to have some significant leadership changes in the next couple of months. What will help us dramatically and what will help us be the kind of gospel community we need to be, we must believe, internalize, and live out the realities we see in 1 Corinthians 12. We need to understand that none of us deserve to be in the church. None of us have earned our way into the church, and that should bring gospel humility to us. On the other hand, all of us who have been, who have been brought to faith in Jesus Christ by, by God's Spirit and by the Father drawing them, all of us 
have the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity living inside us to give us the power to do what we're called to do in this place. And if we were to hold on to those realities, we would approach the church, even in our altered state, we would view everyone at the church and we would understand this. They need me and I need them. And as we believe that and as we practice that, we live out the reality of this upside-down organization called the church. And as we do that, we provide the care that we need for one another. As Paul puts it in, in, in verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffer, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. If we have that kind of internalization and practice of these upside-down realities, we become a body that cares for one another. We become a body that benefits from the giftedness of everybody. We begin to live out the upside-down community that God has called us to be. And when we do that, the body is cared for. And the reputation of Jesus Christ is deepened and extended in a powerful way. (coughs) Excuse me. Let me pray for you. Pray for us. Dear Father in heaven, I pray that we would believe these words. I pray that we would uh, understand that none of us deserve to be in your church, in your community. None of us have earned our way. None of us have worked our way into your community. You put us into the body of Christ by grace, through faith, by the action of the Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would also remember that each of us in this place, all of us who know Christ as our Savior, have the Holy Spirit living inside us, empowering us to do all that we're called to do. And Lord, I pray that we would overcome the two obstacles that that, that are easy for us to fall into because we, we follow the earthly pattern of organizations. I pray that each of us would realize that the rest of the body needs me because God has placed me in this body in such a way that the rest of the body needs me, but we would also realize we need everyone else because that's the way God designed it. I pray that we would live out these realities so that this body would care for one another well and so that the reputation of Christ would be deepened and extended, not only here in Princeton, but around the world. Help us, Lord, to do this for your sake, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close out our service with a famous hymn, uh, May the Mind of Christ My Savior. Join me in singing along with our music team that song.